Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, attorneys at law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome to the latest Irish Illustrated Insider. Pete Sampson joined by Tim O'Malley. Uh, we've got injury updates to talk about, starting with our own Tim Priester, uh, who had heart surgery on Wednesday and expect to make a full recovery. Uh, everyone's very optimistic about it. Definitely, I want to say that we appreciate all the um, thoughts, prayers, tweets, messages, texts, um, just people asking how he's doing. Um, it, it's great to see how many people have sort of kept him in their thoughts over the last week. Uh, whether starting with you know Brian Kelly, Mike Bray, Mike McGlinchey, uh, Mike Birch, or who was awesome uh, on Saturday, and um, it was just it's really touching to see how many people are just sort of cared and um, kept him in their thoughts. So I want to definitely start with that because it's. Um, I know it's made Tim's family feel good and appreciated, loved, and uh, I think even for our, our staff here at Irish Illustrated, we we feel this feel that same way. So, with that, spin it forward to Miami. Uh, O'Malley and I are flying down tomorrow, um, and it's I don't want to say it's like the biggest game of the year, only because Georgia was sort of a boy. That's a game you've been looking forward to years in advance. But number three versus number seven in November in Miami, it's college game day it's got i mean this game has everything working for it you didn't even have to get into the catholics convicts all that stuff to to look at this game and just feel like wow this is going to be an electric atmosphere yeah i think you know it's an elimination game so it is the biggest game of the year at this point uh it's huge for both of them miami coach mark rick made a great point like doesn't matter that they're number seven if they beat notre dame they're certainly not gonna be number seven for long notre dame i think cements a lot with a victory in this one it's I think it's win out at that point. I, I, there's gonna be some machinations because other teams are gonna lose out of the Wisconsin, Oklahoma, TCU, Clemson grouping. I don't think they're all gonna be threatening Notre Dame at the end if Notre Dame can win out. So it's fair to say it's the biggest game they all are when you have to win them all. But this is uh, the, the build up for this will be fun too. I think fans at home will get to hopefully ABC will handle it well. That they can handle this build up well for uh, a little pregame. Pre-game action, I used to look forward to that when I would watch games, but it's an exciting one. I didn't think when the season started that this would be basically for everything for Notre Dame and Miami. Certainly no. not for, for neither, for neither, actually. Yeah, I mean, I was looking forward to the weather and everything, but, like, the game was like, yeah, the game's fine, whatever. I booked my flight a long time ago. Yeah. I'm just saying I didn't think it was going to mean so much there. Yeah, it's it's incredible to, to think how much is going to be on the line for, for both schools, and... 
you know, you can, who is it bigger for? I mean, clearly it's bigger for Notre Dame because they're out if they lose. Miami still has the ACC to play for. Um, yeah, they'll get a major six. They'll represent right. the ACC. And that's uh, yeah. a great. That's a great consolation. And Notre Dame probably will still be fine for a New Year's Six game if even if they lose. But um, to be number three in November and have a chance, maybe not to lock it up on Saturday night, but. This will be an opportunity for, for everyone who wants to talk about, oh, controlling your own destiny, as if destiny is something you can control. <laughs> By definition, you cannot. But if you win on Saturday night, I do think your top four credentials are unassailable at that point, regardless of what happens with Oklahoma potentially winning out, Wisconsin potentially winning out, Clemson potentially winning out. Uh, I think that Notre Dame would be assured of making the playoffs. Maybe maybe they wouldn't finish number three, but I, I, I see no way they could be number five. Uh, you brought up, just kind of focusing on the game, you brought up a good point in incident analysis on Monday. I didn't really consider. I saw Miami against Virginia Tech, and I thought, that's the Miami you'll get against Notre Dame. Because, to be fair to Miami and North Carolina, and the North Carolina game and some, some other games like that, it's, they're not totally dialed in. You won't see that team. Now, you might not see the, the Miami against Virginia Tech team, as you pointed out, because you want to see them handle success. They're going to be dialed in, obviously excited to play, unlike some of the other games they've played this year. But will they? how will they handle the success? How will they handle getting punched in the mouth by Notre Dame? Because that will happen at some point, whether Miami starts hot or Notre Dame stops hard, or they start evenly. As the game settles in, they're going to have to realize not everything's going their way. Mm-hmm. And I, I hadn't really considered... Miami handling success, which is so myopic point of view. We have Notre Dame. How will Notre Dame handle success? Well, now this is Miami really getting credit for the first time because no one was giving them any credit until the Virginia Tech game. Yeah, I think that they played the no one believes us card, but now that people are believing them, like then what Then what do you go to next? Uh, I mean, I think it's one of the, the pitfalls of being able to get external motivation. Well, what happens when it goes away? You know, when, when Notre Dame's talking week after week after week about this nameless, faceless opponent that they keep playing, um, Miami's, like, Miami is not wired that way. Right. Um, they're not wired to be the same team every single week. Uh, and I think that, I mean, you look at Notre Dame, for Notre Dame, the outlier, I don't know if Georgia is an outlier for Notre Dame. I think Wake Forest might be... If there's an outlier for Notre Dame, it's the Wake Forest game. I would agree. I think the outlier part of Georgia is they're just not a team that doesn't know they should throw. They found themselves. Right. But they played well. I mean, they played a focused game. They just lost yeah, it. They losing to lost. Georgia it's by okay. a point yeah. is fine. So they're, each team has had one outlier this year. For Notre Dame, it's Wake Forest. For Miami, it's Virginia Tech. So if something happened once out of eight times, would you expect it to happen... Two out of nine times? No, you'd expect it to revert back to yeah. form. So that that's when I when I look at Miami, I don't see a program or I don't feel like that's a program that just like, oh, it's all it, it all just came together, like it's it snapped into place. I think for Notre Dame, I feel the same way, but in the opposite direction. I don't think Wake Forest would be like, oh, well it all fell apart. Right. All right. That's kind of how my point of my column was yeah. that's not the Notre Dame you're gonna see the rest no. of the year. What we will see is eventually Notre Dame is going to settle in and run in this game, run the football. Uh, hopefully it it is just something where that is the plan. Mm-hmm. I know we, we we're going to touch on a question on this, if the chance of them getting too cute is not necessarily cute because, as you pointed out, Wimbush is really improving as a passer and keeping a team off balance is part of the reason you can run so well. But I think it's a game where if it's 0-0 heading into the second quarter, 
Miami's in a lot of trouble. And they're the home yeah. team. I think that Notre Dame just has to settle into this game and not have a Clemson start where things all go wrong. And you run, you miss a run fit and an athlete on the other team. In that case, it was a pretty good athlete named Deshaun Watson. Sets up mm-hmm. a touchdown with a long run where you're, you're, you have a bad punt and all of a sudden Miami has a 40-yard field, that type of thing. Yeah. If you settle into this game, Notre Dame is the better football team. Now what Miami does well... Really good pass efficiency defense. That's why that, that part of that is who you play, but that's that's kind of why I want the you know the focus on the running game seems so important to me. Number one tackles for loss. I think it's a little different in that forty percent of theirs come from sacks. So it's something to watch on third and long against Notre Dame is how Notre Dame kind of handles third and longs early. If they're not in plus territory, are they trying to drop back and pass, or are they thinking yeah, maybe Wimbush can make a play with his run? And if not, we can punt and play some defense because Miami is not a high octane attack. I think you. Giving them a short field early is kind of the recipe to lose the game if you're Notre Dame because it gives Miami points they wouldn't have had. It gives them confidence. And their defense, you know, they've given up eight touchdown passes. Notre Dame's given up 15, which the weirdest thing about that is Notre Dame gave up 14 last year. Touchdown passes through the air. So Miami's given up eight touchdown passes. But for a 60th-ranked rush defense, do you know how many rush defense, rushing touchdowns they've given up? Miami? Yes. The same number as Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. I remember Four. them being incredibly highly ranked it's in that. It's yeah. remarkable to think of that. Now, they give up yards. Uh, they're, they're middle of the pack. Yeah. They're middle of the pack in red zone defense, which really bodes well for Notre Dame. It, it, that's obviously Notre Dame gets down there and scores. Mm-hmm. And then if you they turn they make teams turn the ball over. But, you know, people that recognize the to, the turnover chain, they have 20 turnovers forced. Notre Dame has 19. They just don't have a chain. So Notre Dame turns, makes you turn the ball over as well. And as you pointed out, What's the stat? 334 snaps, you said, for Wimbush-led offense without a turnover? Yeah, with Wimbush on the field running the offense, 334 straight snaps without a turnover. So it's another thing where, like, Notre Dame, if Notre Dame has two turnovers, that would be highly out of character for them. I, I think they're good for one on Saturday night. team is forced 20 on the road, right. this atmosphere. I could, you know, Notre Dame having a turnover is predictable, and I think fine. I mean... It's a situation where would you be concerned if Wimbush threw a pick six in the middle of the first quarter? I mean, yeah, I'd be a little bit concerned, but they gave up a block punt touchdown against North Carolina State and they were totally fine. So I don't think it's uh, a situation where they would get rattled as much as it might feel rattling at the time because that place will be going nuts if that happens. It was interesting talking to Dalen Hayes about the atmosphere. That was electrically charged atmosphere. And he's like, how so? To, to hear players talk once in a while about how they do not feel the atmosphere of places it just seems so remarkable as a media member or fan and a, there are some players that do feel it because there's been plenty of kickers and quarterbacks that can, yeah. that can feel the atmosphere but it was in, from a defensive point of view he's on the road the opposing stadium is quiet when he's out there because their offense is on the race. He said, I just, I don't get caught up. I don't notice the crowd like that. It's, yeah. It was a unique take that you never really get from players. He just said I noticed one crowd in my life. It was the Notre Dame-Texas game his freshman year at Notre Dame because he had never played college football before, and he was overwhelmed by it. He doesn't. They, I don't think they feel that. And the last few, I mean, Brian Kelly went into Michigan State. There was zero. That was a good crowd. There's zero reaction from Notre Dame's players. Like, this is an overwhelming situation right. for a first-row game. And I don't know if you'll see it. Maybe it'll be a little overwhelming Saturday because that, that crowd looked pretty impressive for Virginia Tech, and they're going to be a lot more lathered up for Notre Dame than they were for the Hokies. You mentioned there probably will be a turnover. Can you imagine if there's not the trolling Notre Dame fans could do on Twitter for the turnover chain if there's no turnover in this game? That would be a... <laughs> All right. <laughs> Just on that point, 
Me personally, I think the turnover chain is cool. Oh, I do too. I like it. I, a lot. I do too, but imagine if there's no turnovers yeah. in the game and Notre Dame yeah. wins the game or and something. And also, Notre Dame <laughs> has a golden hammer somewhere that Drew Tranquil revealed yesterday during Captain's Press Conference. Just doesn't know where it is? Or is yeah, it, <laughs> it was uh, given out over the summer for the Beast of the Week. And then, so lifting, it's a strength and conditioning. Yeah, and then they just sort of kept it around. They passed it around the locker room, but there, we had no indication of who earns it or why they earn it. Didn't under Willingham, nor have we seen it. Didn't they have a little chain under Willingham? They might have had a chain, but then Shane the, Walton, I recall, with a with a link in the chain. And there situation. was a sledgehammer earlier mm. in the BK era um, that they they brought out on the sidelines. I don't know. It's like whatever. I think the turnover chain is cool. Um, you agree? There, the, the, there, I said it. You agree? The opportunity. With no turnovers, which oh, is quite a thing. Now, I will even I will even say that I will be making fun of the turnover chain if Notre Dame doesn't have a turnover. Miami has a couple of them, but um, overall, I think they've done a good job with that. I would say, Tim, to back to your point about the Miami's rush defense, these are the yards per carry rankings of the Power Five teams they've played, and so they're far. about middle of the pack overall, and I would including every game. Yeah, and I'm. I'm scratching Georgia Tech because I just don't think it's applicable to right. this. Duke, 76th. Florida State, 80th. Virginia Tech, 96th. Syracuse, 96th. North Carolina, 99th. Those are the rush offenses that Miami has gone against so far in terms of their yards per carry ranking. Notre Dame is number one. So, so Georgia Tech might be more applicable than you think. <laughs> yeah, Georgia Tech was 16th. But I just don't think that Miami has been tested really at all this season short of last weekend against Virginia Tech who I think is good not great and they responded and played well yeah and they they played a good game like no, no matter who you were playing um they played well and credit is due to Miami for that but I don't think that they have faced anything remotely close to what they're going to face on Saturday in terms of the physicality that's coming at that front seven um it's I mean, it's a classic sort of power versus speed. I just think that Notre Dame is athletically powerful. Um, it's not just... This isn't like Nebraska 1980s offensive line. Like, Quentin Nelson is an athlete. Mike Baglucci is an athlete. Mustafer Bars, I feel the same way. Um, if, there's a, if there's a player that they can isolate, can they beat uh, Tommy Kramer off the edge? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because Tommy Kramer has, has had a hard time in past sets. Robert Hainsey's been a lot better. But... If Notre Dame can stay out of the situations and just essentially be who Notre Dame has been eight of the nine games this year, I have a very difficult time seeing Miami's rush defense holding up, regardless of how good they are statistically. I will double down on that, and I talked to in our video previews about this already. I am of the belief that if there's a couple third and tens and third and elevens early, because when you run the ball a lot, Sometimes you end up in second and nine and third and ten because Miami penetrates well if, if they hit the right gap. When you slant and hit the right gap, it works. When you don't, Josh Adams goes for 27 yards. Right. Occasionally, that's going to be third and 11. It is okay to run and punt on third and 11 and restart your series because I honestly believe the only way this game doesn't go for Notre Dame is having cataclysmic plays on third down. And you can control that and not put Tommy Kramer on the edge on third and 11 where he has to protect Brandon Wimbush. You can just have a different play on that. It's okay <laughs> not to drop back and try to convert by throwing all game long. Now they're going to do it at times. You have mm -hmm. to mix it up. I'm not... Two-to-one run ratio, mix in the pass. I cannot see Miami holding up in this game. I feel the same way. I mean, I just... You look at Miami's 
the long run defense. Miami has not allowed a run of 60 yards. They've allowed one of 50 yards, three of 40 yards, and six of 30 yards. Notre Dame has nine 60-yard runs, 11 50-yard runs, 15 40-yard runs, and 25 30-yard runs. I, I think that is going to tip in Notre Dame's favor. Now, I think one area where Miami's strength will will carry the, the night over Notre Dame is in long pass plays allowed. Miami has 11 40-yard pass plays this year. It's near the top of college football, and Notre Dame has only allowed one, which is... I think my I think Washington is at zero, and then it's Alabama and Notre Dame. I think Miami will have some success with big plays, but I think they will need to have success with big plays in the running game to or in the passing game to just stay in the game because I think Notre Dame will. I think Notre Dame's strength is the the best thing on Saturday night of either yes. t- either team either side of the ball either you know run defense pass defense whatever. Notre Dame's run game is the best thing about this game. I think Miami's speed and the skill positions might be the second best thing, but it is a distant second to the power and efficiency of Notre Dame's run offense. To put a finer point on your uh, long runs, they entered the Virginia Tech game 91st in the country in giving up gains of 20 yards or more. 91st worst in the country. So they are susceptible to it, and Notre Dame is going to make it worse. Their rating will be lower, as I said for the Wake Forest game when their rush defense, and it is lower than it yeah. was when they entered the Notre Dame game. <laughs> uh, I think the matchup to watch for Notre Dame fans, uh, to your point with Miami hitting some plays, is basically slot receiver Braxton Berrios against Sean Crawford in the nickel. That is going to be worth the price of admission. It's a tough matchup for Crawford because Berrios is confident. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and use a couple of cliches. He's crafty, he's quick, <laughs> but he's, he's also coachable. He's very aggressive, coachable, he's a good student, and uh, I, I think that Miami will also take some shots at... Troy Pride, who I believe will have to play a lot again for Nick Watkins. Watkins did not look right on, on tape when you go back and look at him trying to chase down a couple plays. He's out of position. Yeah. I mean, and now, you know what? I, I mentioned this in in the cold after, after the game. It'll help a little bit. Your tendonitis, you feel, feel a lot better in Miami than it did up in South Bend at that time. So we'll see what, what Watkins can deliver in this game. But I think Miami will see number 18 and target him quite a bit. Yeah, in terms of Miami's defense, who I'm most interested to watch, Michael Jackson, their corner. Um Looks like he should be in the NFL right now. Uh, you know, I think he's listed at six foot one and looks all of that, if not more. Um, you know, beyond that, their their defensive line, RJ McIntosh, who's the older brother of Deion McIntosh, is coming off a really good game against Virginia Tech. They've they've got some some playmakers in the front. Chad Thomas is sort of the the big name up there. He only has sixteen tackles on the year. Seven of them have gone for loss. Um, <laughs> So it's interesting how productive their defensive linemen are in terms of the percentage of tackles for loss they have of their overall tackles. It's that it's they're slanting. There's that's you slant into plays. You slant into plays. You slant out of plays. And against Notre Dame, you're eventually going to slant out of plays. That's just from watching the Virginia Tech mm-hmm. game and seeing the backfield penetration against a team like Notre Dame. You slant yourself out of a lot more plays than you slant yourself into. But there'll be some ugly four yard losses because of their mm-hmm. ability to penetrate and and. Kind of hit the other side of scrimmage, and that's another thing to to keep in mind when you're when you're watching the game. It's not like Notre Dame got off to this great start against USC or NC State um, or even really Wake Forest. So I'm talking about the yeah. immediate start of the game. Um, so to expect Notre Dame to come out and just drive right down the field, I get I don't based on the last three weeks. I think, and I think that's or, fine. Or Boston College or Georgia, obviously. I mean, there's that's yeah. that, that's not necessarily the way it works for a running team. 
State. Michigan State is really the last time I and that and they Miami, went, they went right down yeah. the field against Michigan State because they throw it. Yeah, North Carolina certainly. I guess it's a little different with book, but they yeah. have running backs in that game. It's yeah. it's a little different when you're a running team. You settle in, and I think Notre Dame will. Predictions. Uh, I am. This prediction is predicated on Josh Adams being totally healthy, which I, I think that he is. They, I don't think they would have brought him in for interviews if he wasn't. And I I buy his. I ran myself into the ground academically last week and didn't get any sleep because I tried to ask a handful of players about what their academic schedules were like, and they all seem to have uh, similar stories on that. So I'm going with a healthy Josh Adams in my prediction. I'm going with Notre Dame committing one turnover in the game, but it not being catastrophic. And I, I like Notre Dame big. I'm... I'm going Notre Dame 34-17. Uh, I've been fairly, I guess, conservative in my predictions most of the year. But uh, I just, I think Notre Dame's going to roll on Saturday night. I, I just don't see Miami being prepared for the down after down after down. This is this is all under the premise that Notre Dame just doesn't knock them out at the beginning um, with a 70-yard Josh Adams touchdown run. But when the fourth quarter rolls around and Notre Dame's up by 10 points, I have a hard time seeing Miami not doing what NC State did and what USC did and what Michigan State did. Just being like, damn it, yeah. enough of this already. And so I'm I'm going Notre Dame 34-17, and they lock up that number three spot that they will hold the rest of the year in the playoff rankings. I'm bumping it up just a little. Uh, I think my – I think – Miami is going to get a f- few drives that other teams haven't against Notre Dame, so I can't decide between 20, 24 point range for Miami. But Notre Dame scoring 38 in this game, and Dion McIntosh is going to get to score against his brother down in Miami with everybody watching because they'll be closing out the game. When they're getting sick of getting hit in the mouth, Quentin Nelson's still going to be out there, but it's Notre Dame's fourth string running back closing out the game. It'll be a lot like Spartacus. They're just going to run him over. <laughs> no, I've, I've been looking at this one for a long time. They. I, Barring terrible decision-making, catastrophic mistakes that just happen in some strange games like this, Notre Dame is going to run Miami off the field. Literally, they're going to just keep running the ball at some point in this game. I just, and I think Miami will play fairly well, and that's why I'm thinking 38-24, 38-23 range. Aside from a few deep shots in the passing game, it's really difficult for me to look at this and be like, well, I, I can see where Miami has a real advantage here. I just see a I see a short field score type thing. Just, just the way... It's been a while, sure. you know, since Notre Dame has, has had a situation like that. And remember, before this year, the Brian Kelly Road era was defined by hideous, horrid starts on the road until yeah. this year. Absolutely miserable. There's a... There is ink on Irish Illustrated about how bad they used to start until this year. So I don't think it'll be terrible like that, but I just think Miami gets a little bit of bump at home. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. So, all right, well, that's it for segment one, Irish Illustrated Insider. Now that uh, your mood has been lifted by our predictions, we'll get into questions next, <laughs> segment two. Irish Illustrated Insider is brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, attorneys at law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. 
Welcome back to segment two, Burning Up the Boards. Our first is from Swarbrick for Prez. How sold are you on the changes this year? For example, running the ball, grit, increased physical play. We'll continue while BK is the head coach in the coming years, or is this a one-hit wonder team? Uh, I am pretty much sold on it uh, in terms of it being... Here's how I would phrase it. It's not a one-hit wonder, but this will be their greatest hit this year. They're and not going to okay. run the ball as well next year. No. They don't have Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey. The rush offense will be worse yes. next year. And that's okay. That is okay. Uh, I do think Notre Dame can get into a situation where they're more of a 200-yard rushing, 250-yard passing type offense. Like, they're they're more balanced. Physically, though, that is all that matters. Stay physical, be balanced, and run the ball well. I think they will be, a, yeah, they will be a much more efficient passing game built on their running game. Which Whereas they right, should be. Where right now, they, they just have to run the ball. And... I don't mean which they should be now. They should be doing what they're doing now. Next year, yes. when you don't have the best player in the country and one of the best players in the country and one of the best running backs in the country, you are going to have to be a little bit more balanced. They'll have a good offensive line, not a all-time Notre Dame great standard offensive line. That's mm-hmm. just the way it's just natural. They're going to have a little regression, but it's okay. Brandon Wimbush will be better. The receivers will be better. The offense might not be as good, but it can attack in different ways. So I think as long as the philosophy of physicality remains and grit, that's all you really ask for. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Wimbush is going to be a lot better next year based on how much better he's gotten from September through October. I mean, October, he was outstanding. And I mean, I wrote this last night. I it, I think it's easy to say that he has put his three best performances together in a row um, from USC to NC State to Wake Forest. So if he's on this kind of momentum, yeah. I'm not saying it's it, he's just an infinite ride to, <laughs> you know, he's going to be... Is it an, 80, arc, is it an 80, arc, like yes, I said? Yes. Goes, yeah. <laughs> he's not going to be 80 for 81 for 722 yards in his senior year, but I I think that he will just keep getting better and better and better and better, and that will allow you to be more balanced, and you can be a 200-200 type of offense opposed to a 350-100 type of offense. Uh, let's jump into Twitter because I, I think this sort of gets into the, the rushing offense. And this is from Dostro. And he wants to know, and Brendan Hallahan, they both have the same question. They want to know how much impact do you think Dexter Williams not being at 100% will have on the rushing offense? If you haven't tracked every injury, Brian Kelly said thigh contusion after Wake Forest, but then used the word optimistic on Tuesday. Personally, I'm not, only because Dexter is. He's had a hard time staying healthy, so I don't know why he would be healthy now. There's no reason to be optimistic for this week. Uh, you know, for instance, on DM McIntosh's 45-yard run in the third quarter against yeah. Wake Forest, Dexter Williams would have scored. And, I mean, the fast Dexter Williams, the real one, not the one that couldn't run that we saw for Yeah, I mean, the real Dexter Williams would have scored on that 32-yard he run. He turned a 77-yard touchdown to a 32-yard run because he's hurt. Yeah. That's what he looks like right now, and so I don't think he'll be back. I think it hurts him a little bit because he's... He's an extra year, but how much do you hurt the number one ranked rushing team? If Josh Adams is healthy, it doesn't matter that much, but being able to hit Miami with Dexter Williams would help, certainly. But I, you're not going to see it. I think it hurt. I think it hurts more than people think. Um, if you look at, and this is, I, I hate doing this, but I'm going to do it. If it's like, if you take their longest run out, um, if, you, if you scratch D.I. McIntosh's 45 yard run and you scratch Dexter Williams' 32 yard run, they combined 10 carries for 19 yards last week. So The two of them. The two of yeah, them. Yeah. Tony Jones had a pretty good day last Tony week. Tony Jones had a really nice yeah. day last week. But he's also been banged up. So I think Dexter Williams being not 100% really hurts them. 
because it's in concert with Josh Adams maybe not being 100% and Tony Jones not being 100%. If Josh Adams had been healthy all year and Tony Jones had been healthy all year, I'd say, Texter Williams, that's fine, whatever. Right. Take, you know, stay home. Take a break. Uh, but I could see them getting into a scenario where they actually need a healthy Dexter Williams and they don't have one. Because Deion McIntosh, I think, is is a good story, but he's just a good player. He's not Dexter Williams. No. It's, he doesn't have breakaway speed. You know what he is, though? Uh, he's, he's a great guy to run out the clock, and that is a compliment because most guys don't want to keep getting four yards when they're getting hit. Yeah. I don't know many guys that want to just okay, go in there and get hit against an eight-man box the rest of the game. That's He does a really good job of it. Yeah, it's, it's nice. He's, he's a fun player to watch, yeah. even if he doesn't have home run speed. Uh, we're going to go next to Bobby Russell, another Twitter question. He wants to know, what's the latest on fifth-year seniors? Uh, if you hadn't followed the captain's press conferences yesterday, I asked Drew Tranquil, what's up with next year? Because uh, he volunteered that he was graduating in December. He gave the, I'll make the decision at a later date, which is usually a sign that they're leaving. But I would say testing the waters. Yeah, but I wouldn't say it's a lock. Yeah. That, But this is a kid who's graduating with a degree in mechanical engineering and getting married. He's had two ACLs. I think he's got a chance to be a, a roster guy in the NFL for a while. So I, it's worth considering in a way that I think when the season started, we all would have put, well, of course Drew Tranquil's going to be back in 2018. That's why it's worth considering, because he yeah. went from an undraftable player to a draftable possible yeah. NFL football player, and you might need to strike when you've had two injuries. And as you said, your adult life is starting officially. Yeah, there's... That's he's he's in a unique position there. I know you need to continue your education with the mechanical engineering degree, but sometimes it's okay to continue that with a nest egg of one point five million a few years down the line too. Yeah, it's, come back and, people yeah. people will say, well, shouldn't he come back and improve his draft stock? Drew Tranquil is never going to improve his draft stock into like a mid first round pick. No, it's if he's, he wants to come back and play more college football and he enjoys it that much and he has faith he won't get injured. Come back, yeah. But if not, go. You've yeah. done everything you're supposed to do. He's he's either going to be a mid-round pick or a mid-round pick or a late-round pick or an undrafted free agent. And basically, the the contractual terms for that, Matthias Farley's on a three-year, $1.6 million deal as undrafted free agent. That's still really good money yeah. for your first job. Um, so I think Drew Tranquil is one of those guys who cannot make a bad decision. Uh, either he's going to come back and start working on his next degree for free and play football here. Or he's going to go make $500,000 a year playing in the NFL. And if that doesn't work out either, then he can get a job in mechanical engineering somewhere, which I'm sure is well-paying. Irishman425. During the first half of the season, it seems we liberally rotated players on D. Since the second half, starting with SC, it seems as if this has drastically been reduced. Why? Pete, would you please refute? Uh, yeah, it's not true. Uh, they ro- they rotate on the defensive line just as much now as they did in the beginning of the year. Uh, I think at linebacker, it's still a four for three proposition. Uh, where really it's it's Drew Tranquil and then a three for two proposition with Coney, Martini, and Morgan. They're rotating just as much as they have. Uh, I I think if there was a surprise at linebacker, it's how little Asmar Bilal has got any traction at all and. They, they trust Drew Tranquil infinitely more right now. That's fine. I think in the secondary, if there was a little bit of surprise, the lack of traction from Devin Studsill getting into the rotation. I thought I thought it would be more of like a, a two-for-one with Jalen Elliott, and I feel like it's been more like a five-for-one with Jalen Elliott. Studsill's not playing fast when he's out there. I yeah. know he, he I said jokingly that he's not fast but he might be fast he's not playing fast if you can't play fast you're not fast in these games that's what it comes yeah. down to i think it's 
maybe he needs more playing time. Maybe he just needs more confidence in, in bringing film to field. But he is not playing fast enough to rotate him. And that keeps showing up on tape against teams like Wake Forest. So I think it would against Miami as well. But to put a finer point on that, we talked about how Nick Watkins looked kind of slow trying to chase down a 32-yard run in the first quarter against Wake. On the field at that time, Wake Forest's first drive were Kurt Heinisch, Myron Tagovailoa-Mosa, and Khalid Kareem. That's the first series of the game. So they are rotating guys in. Now I, would, now I will say this, you will not see those three guys often on the first series of this game. No. Uh, in terms of cornerback, they actually played four corners of at least 20 snaps against NC State for the first time all year. Troy Pride is definitely a rotation player now, where he was like a, a mop-up player earlier in the year. So I think they're rotating more at corner, less at safety than I thought, a, maybe a little less at linebacker than I thought, and more at defensive line than I thought, but the same as they have all year. So I, I think overall the rotation aspect of it, I don't think it's been drastically reduced because I don't think it's been reduced. It's it's the same as it was when the season got going, other than corner. Irish Ernie, with the success for Notre Dame this year, is Brian Kelly is coming back. If you had to pick a number on how many remaining years in Brian Kelly's tenure, what would you pick? After this year, not including it, three, probably. I that's think what I liked, wrote down. That's, what I, it's, that's 11. It maxes out, basically, for any Notre Dame. It does max out for any Notre Dame coach. It's... It's hard. I think that would be it. I uh, guess if you win the national title this year, you have to... I would still think he would come back because he has a young team. Might not be the worst plan for this. To... <laughs> 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 See you later, man. Thanks for the thanks for the ads. Yeah. Here you go. Drop a couple salutes on the way out the door. But that's... Uh, I think it may be fine with that, too, after a national title. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I would guess three years. I think he's reinvigorated. I don't know why it would be less. Yeah, it's... Um... Young team. He's got... That's why, I mean, I asked him on Tuesday about the, the 100 games. This is Miami's his 100th game. And I think when his career started, he'd be like, there's no way in hell he was making it to 100 games. Either it's not going to work out or he's going to leave. So the, what, the fact that they've threaded that needle yeah. is kind of amazing. What year is he, did he reference? Is it 2022 that they play Ohio State? Was that the first Ohio State game? He, uh, he said, I'll be sipping my ties on the beach when he yeah. plays Ohio State. So I think, you know. I don't think he. I think that was flippant and joking, but I think it's true as well. Yeah, so. I mean, I think it's just one of those situations where down the road you're like, well, of course I'm going to be retired and doing something yeah, else. But yeah. then when you get closer, you're like, well, things are going okay, and I'm making four or five million dollars, mm-hmm. and like I've got the program slicked up the way that I want it now. Is it his last coaching job? Ooh, that's a... he be good on TV? He's a natural TV. Drop a couple jokes. He would be very good on yeah. TV. I guess I, I before today when you asked it, I would say no. I think he would definitely have another coaching job. And now I'm like, I don't know. I mean, he's got it's kind of one of those things where he's got almost everything how he wants it now, um, and it and it being you know a winning program that seems to have some stability, but. You know, it's the flip side of what he was asked about on Tuesday. I can't remember who asked him, but it's just essentially like, man, would you ever think, based on Notre Dame-Miami last year, where those two programs were, that 12 months later, right. hey, it's a playoff. Miami hasn't uh, lost since losing to Notre Dame. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. The flip That's side of that can be team. true. Like, you never know yeah. when things are going to turn around in a negative way. And to that point, 
three more years plus this one, you're all your staff's not in place anymore. Not everything's perfect. Your coordinators aren't in place because they have good jobs. Yeah. And that's another reason why it's probably a good number. That's um, and well, a bonus bonus Twitter question I didn't include. Like, the Elko Long... I think somebody asked, like, who's more likely to be on staff next year? I think they're both like going next, to be on next staff year, next year. Yes, I think it's the following year you look at. And yeah. then I would think Elko would... No, here's one thing. Chip Long's resume will never look better than having the number one rushing offense in the country, the highest scoring pro, highest scoring team mm-hmm. in Notre Dame history. So if one has to consider a career move, it would be Chip Long, but I don't think that will happen this year. Uh, and then I think Mike Elko will have another good year next year, a better year, and he will be a very hot commodity. So, But I would, we both think, both back next year. Yeah, um, I, but I, I think it sort of ties into the, like, how long is Brian Kelly going to be here? Does he want to, like rebuild the whole thing again does he want to go through i don't think he does do that again i think he has the perfect rebuild in place another good recruit like the recruiting class i don't think he finishes with the next recruiting class how's that yeah no i think that's i think it's a good way to look at it golden by name with Wimbush's continued improvement each week do you have any concerns that their offensive offensive game plan might get too cute and revert back to a uga scenario what is your over under on Wimbush pass attempts this weekend um this is this is sort of the fly in the ointment this question. This is my major fly in the ointment question. Um, it's a good one. I I would be lying if I said that I had no concerns and I was like a hundred percent confident that they wouldn't trend towards like. I mean, I, I'm as I'm watching the Wimbush tape and he's hitting mid range passes. I know. And I'm just missing, like misses those. There's just, just like just is, is he too good for the playbook's own good right now? Um, it's a. It's this is not this is not the game to stretch your arm out. Right, and I think you can. I don't think you can stretch your arm out now at this point until September 9th of next season after you beat Michigan <laughs> in your opener. So uh, yeah, I I, uh, I am concerned. That is the fly in the ointment. That was when I made my pick. That was the scary part. <laughs> yeah, it's well, I kept alluding to it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. try to be zero zero in the first quarter because then you just run out there and run them over. I'm concerned about it. I don't. I wouldn't guess it will happen. I think he knows well. Brandon Wimbush has improved enough where they could consider. Hey, maybe thirty passes is a good idea. I never think it is. I think Brandon Wimbush will. This is is this wishful thinking that he throws under twenty five passes in this game. No, I don't think it's. Okay, I, I think he will throw under. Because it goes with my prediction. That yeah. they win. <laughs> Otherwise, what's the point of my prediction? Right? <laughs> so if the, if the over-under for Brandon Wimbush pass attempts was 25, you would bet the under. Yeah, so 25 and a half, I'm betting the under. Okay. I can I, live with 25. I, I 14 to 25, 175 yards, a touchdown, no picks, and they run for 560. I think he's going to throw it 25 times, and I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, you don't want to see that 30-31 North Carolina game, Wake Forest game, right? Or book through 25 times in the first half. That was kind of strange. That was bizarre. That was uh, odd. And they were, So, we won't hit 40-43 for a Notre Dame quarterback like they did in the, in the Georgia game yeah. again, though, if that's the real concern. I, I do think Wimbush is, is going to get to a point where he can throw it 33, 34 times a great. game, and Notre Dame would be okay with that. I don't think Saturday night is that time. Agreed. So, 
All right. Well, that's it for this week's Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. Tim and I are headed out to Miami tomorrow. We'll do pregame insult analysis, countdown to kickoff from Hard Rock Stadium, Stadium. now. So Hard no, Rock Stadium. No no longer... I called it the Orange Bowl today like yes. yesterday. It looked kind of funny. Yeah, but... No longer Sun Life Stadium from the last time we were there. Uh, all coverage of Notre Dame, Miami, and then instant analysis postgame after that. So it's going to be a good one. And good weather for us, too. Lucky enough to, to attend the game. So... You can catch all that on Irish Illustrated over the weekend, and we'll be back Monday with our wrap-up podcast from Notre Dame, Miami. So until then, Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson, thanks for listening.